Thank you very much. Uh, I will please ask you to open your Bibles to Psalm 17. Psalm 17. And today we will be looking at verses 1 to 4. Psalm 17, 1 to 4. This is the word of God. Hear the right, O Lord. Attend unto my cry. Give ear unto my prayer that goeth not out of faint lips. Let my sentence come forth from thy presence. Let thine eyes behold the things that are equal. Thou hast proved my heart. Thou hast visited me in the night. Thou hast tried me and shall find nothing. I am purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. Concerning the works of men, by the word of thy lips, I have kept me from the paths of the destroyer. Let's have a short word of prayer. Dear Father, we thank you for your salvation in Jesus Christ. And we thank you for your holy word. And we ask your help. We need your Holy Spirit to interpret it correctly. So we pray that you will work in us, Lord. Please give me clarity and work in the hearts of my brothers and sisters. Thank you for all of them, Lord. And I pray that you will edify them through this meditation. In Jesus' name, amen. So the psalm that we have in front of us today was written by David. And we don't know for sure what the events were that motivated this prayer, but it must have been written in one of the hard periods that he faced during his life. One of the things that have stricken me about this psalm is the certainty that David prays with. Uh, he's piling up argument after argument about why the Lord should listen to him. He's pleading with God. And dear brethren, do you want to have the same kind of confidence as you pray? You should pay attention to this psalm then, for it shows us the conditions that need to be met if we want to pray with confidence. I have identified four of them in these words. And let's look at the first one. The first one is this. If you want to pray with confidence, you must have a righteous cause. David says, hear the right, O Lord. Attend unto my cry, give ear unto my prayer. And then he says, let thine eyes behold the things that are equal. And why is David so confident when he's talking to God? Because he's sure that he has a righteous cause. In fact, David is so, so sure about it that he says that his words are the right. They are the things that are equal. And when you and I come before the Holy One of Israel, we cannot expect to be heard if we are bringing an unrighteous cause before him. He doesn't li listen to the prayers of those who are walking and clinging to their sin because that would be an abomination for him. So this is the first condition. In order to pray with confidence, you must have a righteous cause. Let's look at the second condition now. If you want to pray with confidence you must come 
with sincere and part of first one. He says, give ear unto my prayer that goeth not out of faint lips. David presents a second reason why the Lord should hear him. And that is that he is not just making a show. His prayers were not like the Pharisees, whose only goal was to be heard by other people. Neither were they like the shallow prayers produced by mere emotionalism that are no, not linked to action. No, David is sincere. He's not praying half-heartedly. And he knows the Lord answers such prayers, so he's confident. Brothers and sisters, if you want to pray with confidence, you must do likewise. You and I need to pray with our whole hearts. We, we need to pray when nobody sees us and with true faith in God's word. So sincerity is the second condition. Let's look at the third one. If you want to pray with confidence, you must, you must have a heart that is innocent before the searching eyes of God. Notice what David says in the first part of verse 3. Thou hast proved me, thou hast proved my heart. Thou hast visited me in the night. Thou hast tried me and shall have nothing. Now, this is quite amazing. David is appealing to God's omniscience. He's saying to God, Lord, you know who I am. You know my heart. You have always seen me everywhere, even at night when nobody else can see me. You have put me to the test and have found no fault in me. Now, David is surely not saying that he had no sin, for that would contradict the general teaching of scripture. But at the very least, he is saying that the Lord knows that all the charges against him are utterly false. David is a man of integrity. And if you and I want to pray with David's confidence, we must have David's integrity. So that's condition number three, having an innocent heart before the searching gaze of God. Let's look at the fourth condition. If you want to pray with confidence, you must have kept God's word and fled from the paths of the destroyer. Please look with me at the, first, at the, at the last part of verse three and verse four. It says, I am purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. Concerning the works of men, by the word of thy lips, I have kept me from the paths of the destroyer. And this idea is linked to being innocent before the searching eyes of God. The difference is that in the first part of verse 3, David is saying that his heart is innocent regarding the accusation that was made against him. But in the second part of, of verse 3 and in verse 4, he's supporting that claim with his actions, his confidence. He's confident because he knows he has an innocent heart. And how does he know that? By his behavior. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Our actions reflect what is inside us. David is confident because he knows 
He has paid attention to God's word and has kept himself from the snares of Satan, the destroyer. Satan has laid snares before him, but he has kept himself from them. He has kept his mouth from sinning and his feet from going astray. So he knows the Lord will answer him. And again, if you and I want to have David's confidence in prayer, we need to be able to say with David the same thing that he's saying here. Because nothing in this world destroys confidence in prayer as much as having a bad conscience before God. So these are the four conditions for confidence in prayer. Having a righteous cause, coming with sincere lips, having an innocent heart before the searching gaze of God, and having kept God's word and fled from the paths of the destroyer. Now, how well do you do, my brother, my sister? If you are like me, you are probably feeling a little uneasy right now. Because you know you have sent. And you know there is a constant battle raging in your soul. You know you have served an unrighteous cause in the past. You know you don't always come to prayer with sincere lips. And you may even be remembering that pride that arose in you the last time you prayed an eloquent prayer in public. You may be remembering all your inconsistencies and wondering how it could be possible for God to say that your heart is innocent. You also remember those bitter, bitter times in the past when you didn't pay attention to God's word, when you went your own way, when you found yourself in the path of the destroyer. And you are thinking, I will never be able to pray with confidence. You are feeling like Isaiah when he was confronted with the holiness of God and cried out, woe is me, for I am undone. Is there any hope for you and me? Praise the Lord, there is hope indeed. We don't have righteousness to approach God's throne with confidence in ourselves. But have you forgotten, dear brethren, that in Jesus there is righteousness for sinners like you and me? But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So if you want to pray with confidence, you need to be covered with the justifying righteousness of Christ. In Romans 5.1, Paul wrote these beautiful words. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Here we have the precious doctrine of justification. The moment a sinner looks at Christ in faith, trusting that Jesus' life will provide him with the righteousness he needs to please God, and that Jesus' death was the once and for all sacrifice for all his sins, 
that sinner stops being a sinner legally speaking. Legally speaking. He has been united to Jesus by faith. So Jesus' death is now his death to sin's damnation. And Jesus' righteousness belongs to him. The sinner's sins are imputed to Christ. And Christ's righteousness is imputed to the sinner. In a legal sense, that sinner is no longer a sinner. He is as righteous as Jesus Christ himself. And my dear brethren, do you realize what this means for you and me? It means that if you are in Christ, you do have a righteous cause. It means that if you are in Christ, God sees your feeble prayers covered in Jesus' righteousness and considers them sincere. It means that if you are in Christ, God looks at you and he says, I find no blemish in him. I find no blemish in her. For this person is covered in the precious blood of the lamb. It means that if you are in Christ, God looks at you and says, here is a man, here is a woman who has never disobeyed, for he is in the one who has never disobeyed. If you want to pray with confidence, you need to be covered in Jesus' justifying righteousness. Are you covered? Is Jesus your only hope? If he's not, you need to come to him right now. There is no other righteousness. Now, those who are covered in Jesus' justifying righteousness are not left in their sins during this life. When you are covered in Jesus' justifying righteousness, you will pray it with more and more confidence as you are clothed with the sanctifying righteousness of Christ. Romans 8, 29 says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. If you are truly justified, God will see it that you are made more and more like his son in this life. And how does he do that? By working through his Holy Spirit along with the same person to infuse Jesus' righteousness in him. And that is why David could write this psalm. We shouldn't read these words and think that David uh, was a wonderful man in and of himself. No. David acted this way because of his union with Christ. And these verses are a picture that shows us that David had put on Christ in his daily life. You and I are called to do the same. We will never be able to approach the throne of God with confidence, trusting in what we have done. But we surely can approach God's throne with confidence, trusting in what Jesus did for us and looking at the evidence of his love for us that is found in his transforming work in us. So let's do that, dear brethren. In Christ, you have all the righteousness you need to pray with confidence. 
Don't listen to Satan. Don't listen to your flesh when they come in and try to make you think that you won't be accepted because you did so-and-so, said so-and-so, or thought so-and-so. Say to them, yes, I did that. But I have a powerful Savior. Jesus paid in full. I am righteous before God. I am covered in the blood. I am blameless before him. I have Jesus' righteousness. His grace drowns all my sins. And I will come with confidence. I will plead with him. And he will answer me. For he is a righteous God. Who cannot but listen to those that are united to his dear son. I am not praying in my own name. But in the name of Jesus. May it be so. Amen.